0: KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with someone you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is one on one sponsored by your Delaware Valley Honda dealers. Get a deal you'll like on a Honda you'll love.
1: My motto and the motto of my business is bring your best, leave better. I want to meet athletes where they are, at their height, at their stage of development, with whatever kind of day you're having. I want you to bring your best, whatever that looks like on that Tuesday, and I want to help you leave better. And I'm so confident that I can do that.
0: And our guest this week, Emily Snowden. She is the founder, owner of The Goalie Trainer in Malvern and focuses on field hockey goalkeepers. Emily, thanks so much for coming in studio.
1: Thanks, Matt, for having me.
0: So let's start. Talk to me about The Goalie Trainer. What's the origin story? Why did you want to focus on this?
1: Awesome, yeah. So the goalie trainer is my business. I started it. Um, I would say officially about four years ago. I had always loved coaching goalies. I did it out of college full time for a bit, and then part time while I went to grad school. And kind of during that period, fell in love with it, but realized that I wanted to do more than just coach. I wanted a little bit more flexibility, a little bit you know, more control over my schedule and what I was doing. And so I saw an opportunity to make a business out of it. And so I decided to jump full-time into just coaching goalkeepers, made it a business. I see about 70 goalies a week and we work in small groups. The weekly training is like the backbone of what I do. But then in addition to that, I'll run camps, clinics, training series, things that are a little bit more expansive, coach education, curriculum for goalkeepers within like their club or high school. But it is all goalies all the time and it's ultra specialized. We do the technical side of things, which I think as a specialist coach is a real opportunity, right? You have any specialist position on a field, whether it's quarterback in lacrosse, maybe the face-off position or the goalkeeper. And with that specialized position, there comes to be a ton of techniques and tactics that are maybe not as well known across like the greater coaching field, and I wanted goalies to have access to that. So I jumped in full-time. I have a great group of athletes that I work with, amazing families that support their development, and found a way to make it work as a business that is super specialized.
0: And you said 70 are we talking high school are we talking high school throughout college uh, what's kind of the the age range for the most part and do most of the people you work with fall within a, a certain yeah. couple of years
1: yeah so the the makeup is basically middle and high school goalkeepers that are training weekly right but I typically stay with a goalie from the time they are in high school through their collegiate career so during the year, the you know fall through spring, it's middle and high schoolers primarily. Then in the summer, I kind of close shop to the high schoolers and I focus on college goalies. They're home for the summer. Pennsylvania, especially this area, is the hot pocket. So many collegiate goalkeepers are from here. So they come home for the summer and they come in for weekly training. And I kind of dedicate that full block to college goalies. So I get to continue to work with them through their time in college, which is fantastic.
0: You mentioned this being a hot area. Is that just the number of good programs? Like what is there or is it a chicken and an egg thing? There's a lot of programs that have success. So a lot of people come here and then they stay here and then they have kids. And then, you know, why is this area so good for field hockey specifically?
1: You know, this area has been good for field hockey for a long time. It's definitely the hot pocket. And I think what you're saying makes sense, right? It's you have great players. They settle down here. They have kids. Their kids become great players, maybe. Right. Or great players become great coaches. And it can really easily become very concentrated in certain areas. But we're seeing hockey grow in other areas like in Texas um, is becoming a hot pocket. We have some good collegiate programs on the West Coast out in California. So it is easier, right? When you have good college programs, more turfs. Right, we play on AstroTurf, water-based AstroTurf specifically at the division one level. So when they are concentrated in a certain area, it's easier, right? For programming, better surfaces, higher talent. Field hockey is more fun when it's played at a high level. And so again, that's sort of the competitiveness breeds more athletes who want to play, longer retention, right, within the sport, longer careers you know, hopefully playing in college if that's what the athlete wants. So I I think you're spot on. I think it just sort of becomes easier to maintain this ecosystem when you have good facilities, dedicated coaches, talent, and and an interest in the sport. And it's accessible, right? If you see someone else playing it, you're more likely to want to pick it up. And then if you think about kind of our national team, a lot of the athletes on our national team are from this area. Fantastic. But when they have success— this sport has success. We just qualified, I think, two weeks ago for the Paris Olympics, which is huge for us. Uh, We missed out on the last cycle of the Olympics. And it's really important that we have that visibility and that success on the international stage, because it allows, you know, sort of the base of athletes to get excited and see the ultimate pinnacle of success for our sport, which would be, right, the Olympic, that international play. And that's exciting.
0: So it's just you as far as from a business standpoint, right?
1: So, yeah, it's just me. But I have an administrator who's fantastic and she really helps with the back end of things, the scheduling, the organization. She was critical to my growth because, you know, look, I knew that there was a market or a need for the specialized goalie training, but I didn't know how much it would blow up. So I'm in there. I did my cost analysis saying, OK, I can afford to get my own facility If I train 40 goalies a week, that very quickly became 60 goalies and then it became a huge wait list. And so getting my admin on board month two of being in a facility was huge. She's been critical to the success. And now I've also hired a full time coach who is coming on, joining the team, very exciting. And they're going to focus on not just coaching goalies and running those sessions, but growing some of the coach education elements and the curriculum elements that will allow me to deliver for goalies who aren't just in this hot pocket. Because it's, I don't want an athlete to have to come from Texas because they really want to experience my training. You know, I'm not looking to franchise or open a bunch of satellite locations, but I would really love it if this information was more accessible. And, you know, I believe that that would help raise the basic level of goalkeeping across the country. And th- that's what we're looking for. Right.
0: What was your background from a business standpoint when you started this, like, did you have a a relatively good idea of what to expect or was it all an adventure when you started? And I don't mean the coaching. I'm talking strictly business, facility, insurance, whatever, all that type of stuff.
1: Yeah. So my biggest piece of advice to someone who wants to try a new venture or start their their own business is to It's okay if you don't know everything. Google is really powerful, but it's also important to be willing to kind of hire an expert or get someone else's perspective on it. Because if you only stick to everything you know, you don't necessarily maximize your impact or it is an adventure and you kind of have to be willing to go for it. Right. So. I didn't know everything for sure. There's still things that I don't know. And I'm amazed on a weekly basis, whether it's something with insurance or something to do with payroll or taxes, those sorts of, you know, the not glamorous side of a business. I'm always learning and finding things out, but I'm not afraid to admit when I'm when I'm unsure. And I think that's really critical to success. Now my degree from University of Vermont was in business. So I have an undergraduate degree in business. When I was unsure about what direction to go with my career, but I wanted to help people, I pursued a master's in public health and I was in the management and policy side of that. There, I was gaining a little bit more of that business or management schooling, if you will. But It's a learn-as-you-go sort of thing, and I think I was always passionate about the problem-solving aspect of being a small business owner, the fact that not every day is the same, the fact that there's a lot of elements of control, and you can sort of build what you want, right? As long as you have—you have to be willing to work quite hard and be willing to do the things that you don't love doing all the time, but at the end of the day, I think that the goal is— more flexibility and more sort of steering your business in the direction that you feel strongly about and most passionately about.
0: Were there moments early on where you ever overwhelmed with what the, all the boxes you had to check and everything that you had to get to before you could do the stuff that you're really passionate about?
1: Great question. Honestly, I think that moment happened two years in. In the beginning, it was simple. I needed X number of goalies to maintain this as my full-time job or X number of coaching hours, I think would be more accurate. And it was sort of get the basics set and roll. As demand grew, as I was putting together camps, taking on more offerings, right? So accepting more clients, offering more programming, that's when the moment of feeling overwhelmed and unsure about making sure all the boxes were checked happened. And that comes with growth. And then the question is, okay, do I want to stay where I am and continue on this path and be super happy and deliver a quality product? Or do I see things that are outside of my current bandwidth that are important to me? How important is it to offer summer camps? Okay. From a business perspective, it wasn't critical because I could sustain my business with small group training, right? But From a delivery to an athlete from California who wants to come in for two days of training in a camp format, that's probably pretty important to that kid and that family, right? So, okay, so then there's the emotional tie. I want that offering. How important is it to me to offer coach education? Well, now that I've started doing it, it's really important. I can feel the benefit it has, I can see the coaches getting excited about goalkeeping, seeing the possibilities, wanting to take things back to their own goalkeepers, right? So when those things outside of your current bandwidth become important to you, that's when you have to be okay with getting back on the grind, if you will, sort of putting your head down, problem solving, getting through it, and then finding the right support, whether it's hiring someone additionally or compromising and, you know, working an extra night of the week to kind of get those things in your programming.
0: What makes a good goalkeeper in field hockey? I mean, I'm sure there are different formulas for success and not everybody's the same. But for the most part, for people that aren't familiar with the sport, with the position, what are a couple things that if you're going to be above average, you probably have to have at least A and B?
1: Sure. General athleticism, right? Goalkeeping is a full body sport. You're using, for those of you that aren't familiar with field hockey, it looks like an ice hockey goalie. That's probably the most similar position, but some of the movements are maybe more similar to soccer goalkeeping. You're using your entire body. You can save the ball with your feet, your legs, your hands, your body, your chest, all of those body parts. So general athleticism, quickness in a small space, quickness not only to move forwards and backwards and side to side, but also to get to the ground and to get back up and recover. That's critical. The next biggest piece for me is if we have someone who's athletic The next piece is coachable and confident, which you have to marry the two because I want someone who can grow their skill set, who can change as the game changes, because let's be clear, field hockey goalkeeping looks a heck of a lot different than it did even eight years ago. There's new techniques. As the game changes in front of the goalkeeper, we have to sort of adapt and be more dynamic. Something like 70% of the goals that are scored in regulation games, so not penalty corners or special plays, if you will are scored within the six-meter zone around the goal cage. That's really close. So that small space, you would imagine it's a little bit less of this like set for a big shot and make a big save motion, and it's a little bit more of a one-v-one play. It's more decision-making in a small space. So being coachable to sort of learn the latest techniques and tactics, that's critical. And then the confidence piece, because if you can do something at 100% commitment, you're going to be more successful than getting stuck in the middle. Anyone who coaches a sport where there's a critical moment of decision making, I think we all know it's better to see 100 percent commitment than that 50 50 decision, because when you're indecisive, I would imagine if you wanted to put defensive pressure on an attacker in a sport, if you get stuck in the middle, that attacker doesn't have pressure on them and uh, you're also not back willing to, you know, maybe cover another option. So the commitment and the confidence to trust your skills and go for it.
0: Are there kids, people that come through that just don't have it and you can't work with them? I don't mean they're bad people or anything, but just, I'm sorry, it's just, you're just not at a level that I can work with you or that sounds harsh, but does that happen?
1: Yeah. So right now within the, let's say 70 athletes that I see on a regular basis, none of those athletes would fit into that category. I actually, one of my favorite things is taking an athlete who's not very good, doesn't have a lot of skill, and you could say is bad, and helping them be good. Those aren't the athletes that are going to end up playing in college. And that conversation does happen, and that's very challenging. But anything's more fun when you're good at it, when you're having success, especially being a goalkeeper. It's not fun to let goals in. So taking someone who's not having success and giving them the basic skills and confidence to have a good level of success, that's one of my favorite things. And I see those athletes at clinics, camps training series, those sorts of avenues where we're not making a five-year relationship, but the opportunity to do something that's impactful to that kid is is huge, right? A middle schooler who just puts the gear on for the first time, you look at them and you say, wow, like not necessarily someone who's going to be playing Division I, but let's get you to a point where you're going to come up big for your team. Maybe you make varsity as the second goalkeeper. That's huge for them, right? But yeah, I mean, there's athletes that aren't going to reach the ultimate goals, I think my biggest surprise in this has been a few athletes who, you know, maybe they're in seventh grade and they're a little bit quiet. I feel like they're not giving me the energy that I want. I need kids to get out of their comfort zone, to be willing to make mistakes, to not just do what's comfortable to them, right? They have to try new things and fail. And I find sometimes with an athlete in seventh grade, it's really, really tough. You know, they're nervous. They don't want to be embarrassed. And then... Two years later, this kid is one of the best athletes I have and is looking at D1 prospects. That's a big deal, right? And I could have written that kid off. So I like to give athletes a six to nine month period where I'm going to be open-minded. I've also had athletes who were absolute all-stars as eighth graders freshman year, and then they either plateau massively or they go downhill or their attitude changes or their love of the game changes. And you have to be willing to see the truth in that and not sort of get stuck on your idea for their development, but really keep evaluating the kid that's in front of you.
0: How much of a challenge are the parents? And what I mean by that is, as someone who has had a child play youth sports, the parents make me not want have have anything to do with youth sports. I think you get a lot of parents who overvalue the inventory a lot of times as far as their kid's talent level is concerned and just done out of love, but... You know, sometimes they need a a reality check. Like how much of a challenge is it maneuvering parents who chances are if they're dealing with you, it's because they think there's a high ceiling for their child in the sport. Like, is that almost more challenging than the kids?
1: For me, I have a great group of parents and they are very understanding. They trust me. That takes time, effort, transparency by my part. Right. Like I have earned their respect and their trust. And I am, I might communicate more than is necessary to them about the status of their athlete. Now, I'm also not selecting their kid. I'm not putting their kid on the A team or the B team. I work for the families and I work for the goalie's best interest. So I exist in the best place in the world in youth sports. I recognize how lucky I am. And I have friends and colleagues, you know, and professional peers that work on more of the club side of things where they are selecting athletes. And it is shocking to me, some of the correspondence that they get from parents. And it's disappointing to be totally honest with you, because you would hope that a parent would know that these club directors and these club coaches, they're on your side. Like they want what's best for your kid. We all want the same thing. We want high-performing teams, high-performing athletes, and we want the kids to develop. Sometimes an athlete needs to be on the second team or the third team to maximize their development, to maximize their playing time, those sorts of things, right? So for a lot of my friends who work in this industry, it is the parents that are the hardest part of the job. And it is it is disappointing. I hope that there can be a change or a shift in that, but I don't see it happening, especially in this area where you have multiple club options, right? So honestly, people even have multiple high school options. They pull their kid out of the public school, put them in a private school or a Catholic school because they don't like the coach. Now, Sometimes the athlete needs to move, okay? They don't get along with the coach. Maybe there's some issues amongst the team. Maybe it's just not the right fit for them. That's okay, full support. But if your athlete ages up, right, this is a big thing. You know, they're at the top of, in field hockey, we do U14 and U16. When you're a first-year U16 player, you might not be on the A team again, even if you're on the A-U14 team. And I think there's a misunderstanding by parents that this is like, devaluing their kid or meaning their kid can't reach their goals. When in reality, those goals are totally still achievable. Everything's on the table. Your kid's still in the development phase and all of us in this hockey industry are on your side. So I hope I see a change in it. I also believe that my parents have honest conversations with me and that they can, you know, maybe take that back to their clubs and share that with the other parents around them to say, hey, look, like sometimes this happens and it's okay. But yeah, parents, they impact coaches. And I think everyone can remember a little bit more, and I I try to remember this when I deal with parents, is we're all human, right? And so we're in this not because we want to walk home with a million, billion dollars. We're in this because we love the sport. We care about the kids. I don't know anyone who's in the field hockey world in this area that isn't motivated by wanting the kids to succeed, wanting to develop good hockey players and caring about growing the game, honestly. And so that's a beautiful thing. And so if we can all operate under the assumption that, okay, we're all here for the same purpose and we have the same goal, I think you'd have a lot less friction and the athletes would be able to thrive a little bit more.
0: You mentioned when you're dealing with your athletes, like sometimes the attitude changes. How much kind of going along with that? Because one of the things when you start to get specialized, I think one of the the concerns you have is kids getting burnt out on the sport because they started young and they've been playing it so much Mm -hmm. specialty coaches working in the summer it's not like the old days when you kind of went sport to sport for the most part how much do you have to be on the lookout for that, where, you know, it's nothing wrong with the kid, but just they've been playing it since they were eight and they're tired of it at 17. And I would imagine, you, especially kind of the niche angle you're looking at, that mm-hmm. is something you've got to be on the lookout for.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you, you have to be on the lookout for burnout, right? And I like to advise parents and say, hey, look, more isn't always better. It's important to take breaks and take time off. And to be honest with you, some of the best Developmental phases happen from okay, kid works hard all spring. Maybe they do a little bit of training over the summer, but they take some real time off and they come back in for fall and they are refreshed. They're ready to go. They're more receptive, right? You can only tell someone the same feedback point so many times before, you know, there isn't going to be any movement. You're not going to move the needle, if you will. So I think burnout is real. I want athletes to play more than one sport. That said, and this is kind of unpopular, but if you want to play field hockey in college and you are not naturally the most gifted person on earth, you need to prioritize it. So my recommendation is, okay, look, if you are passionate about this sport and have a talent for it, let's prioritize field hockey, but let's make sure that you have other things that fill your bucket. You know, spend time with friends, do another sport, but not at the varsity level maybe because it is really hard A big thing for field hockey is the winter. It's indoor. That's what the clubs do. A lot of showcases, recruiting opportunities, development opportunities during the indoor season, which is winter. If you have a kid that is a varsity basketball player, you're going to have conflicts, and that's really tough. Now, if the kid loves basketball... All for it. We need to make up, you know, that time by really dedicating time in the spring, those sorts of things. But maybe the better choice is that the athlete does JV squash or JV swimming. And it's a little bit less of a commitment. It allows them to get a break from hockey. They're not doing the repetitive motion that can lead to injury. Now, I will say amongst goalkeepers, I see that a lot less because it's an it requires movement of your entire body. And there's so much variety in ways that you can make saves, right? So one training session, it's not like pitching, you know, there's going to be a lot more balance and variety just in the nature of the position of field hockey goalkeeping, which is great. And I think actually helps with some of that injury prevention. But yeah, burnout is real. Let's find some hobbies. Let's fill our bucket with other activities. And if your athlete is losing love for the sport, That's a big red
0: flag. We need to take a break on -on one-on-one. We will continue our conversation with Emily Snowden in just a few moments, but right now there's nothing quite like the Honda Accord Hybrid and the CRV Hybrid when it comes to exhilarating efficiency. With hybrid technology and thrilling capability, these vehicles deliver an electrifying performance on every drive. This new year, discover for yourself what truly makes these hybrids special. Redefine your driving experience with Honda, KB Dot com's best value brand of 2023. Contact your local Honda dealer today about the Honda Accord hybrid and the CRV hybrid. And now on one-on-one with Matt Leon, let's continue our conversation with Emily Snowden. She is the founder and owner of the Goalie Trainer in Malvern. So let's talk a little bit about your backstory. What was your introduction to field hockey growing up?
1: Okay, so my mom forced me literally forced me to try out for the Radnor Middle School field hockey team. I had just moved to the Radnor School District in eighth grade, which is a tough time for girls, especially in a new school. And she wanted me to have friends. I think my mom was deathly afraid that I was going to have absolutely no friends at Radnor Middle School. And so she required that I try out for a fall sport. I had played soccer growing up and wasn't, I was fine, but I wasn't that good. And so I figured, okay, let me try something brand new to me, went out for field hockey. We had a coach there that day with, you know, a bag of goalkeeping stuff. And they're like, we need a volunteer to be a goalie. And I tried on the equipment and I could kick the ball far. And I kind of liked that it was specialized and a little bit different. I had a really hard time with the field position itself and I, I liked it and it stuck. Now, I didn't take field hockey seriously, eighth grade, or even maybe freshman fall. But the end of my freshman season in high school, I decided, okay, let me try out for club. I liked it a little bit more. I tried out for club. I got a little bit more coaching. That summer, I did some summer camps. I did the Villanova field hockey camp, and I really started to like it. Sometimes all it takes is a couple people to tell you that you're good, that you're doing a good job. A little bit of praise goes a long way, especially for people that are just orienting themselves. And it it stuck. So played field hockey all through high school. Really wanted the opportunity to play in college, more so from the fact that I loved being a part of a team and I really enjoyed the sport itself. And so went through the recruiting process, found the University of Vermont, Was really focused on New England, honestly, because goalkeepers wear a lot of equipment and I didn't want to go to the South and, you know, be boiling during preseason. Went to UVM and I I loved it. My freshman year was, was a dream. I got to play a bit as a freshman, which is a big deal for a field hockey goalkeeper. And then end of my freshman year, my coach gets released and contract not renewed. New coach gets hired and the situation around my playing time drastically changed and university of Vermont was not at the time a very strong field hockey program. We were the absolute bottom of division one and the new coach came in Kate Pfeiffer, and she did a great job with the program, but along with it was change, right? She recruited another goalkeeper and I was really fighting for playing time. I had a good start to my sophomore year, but then was not seeing the field and it made sense. Looking back from the coach's perspective, I totally get her decision-making. The other goalkeeper was better. And I see that, totally. But I was competitive and wanted the opportunity, even more than the opportunity to play, I wanted the opportunity to be a better goalie. And so I decided to do some research on the best field hockey goalie coaches, honestly, around the world, and found this guy, Martijn Driver, in the Netherlands, cold email this guy and ends up he is an absolute legend. He coaches the best field hockey goalies from around the world. It was an Olympic cycle, so he was really not busy over the summer because all of his elite athletes were, you know, with their national teams. And he responds to my email. I go over to the Netherlands. I start training with him. The deal was I train with him, but then I coach his camps also. It was an experience that absolutely changed my life. Because not only did I see, okay, wow, he's doing it differently. Goalkeeping is easier when you have the right coaching. And it sort of showed me that the possibilities are endless as far as development. Because if one way didn't work for you, you could try a different tactic. You know, even things like his knowledge of how the equipment was made to deflect the ball a certain way, if you use it correctly, that information did not exist in my part of USA field hockey experience. And so information is power, loved the information he was giving me, saw that the training was different, saw that it made me a better goalie, loved coaching his camps. Go back in, and my career at UVM did not turn around, but my love of the game absolutely did. And by some miracle, this not being the starting goalie didn't change my relationship with the sport. And I'm thankful for the fact that going to the Netherlands, getting exposure to European hockey... I kept going back over there every summer, coaching more and more, and that allowed me to kind of change my relationship with the game. And I shifted from this person wanting so badly to develop myself as a goalkeeper to seeing the power and the possibilities in coaching and realizing that I can help make that difference for athletes and I kind of never looked back and loved coaching from then on.
0: Was there any level of frustration, though? You feel like you've kind of found this secret sauce and those last couple of years at Vermont. You can't really utilize it. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I understand everything you're saying, but yeah. you're 20. It had yeah. to be frustrating.
1: It was frustrating. But to be totally honest with you. I could feel that I wasn't able to put it all together that quickly. Like, I needed that intervention. I needed that coaching in high school. That's when I needed it. It got to me too late. And you can feel that, right? So I got way better. I absolutely got way better. And I was proud of my progress and my development. And I believe that my coaches recognized that. But this other kid was still the better goalie. And so was I frustrated? Yes. Was it hard to be be there on the bench and meanwhile I'm super involved in the athletic department you know on committees volunteering starting fundraising initiatives I loved UVM I loved being a part of that community and representing that athletic department and it was a disappointment not to be able to do it on the field but I think the realization that this this sort of upper peak of my development never would have been possible without meeting the right coach who happened to be in the Netherlands, I realized that that came into my career as a player too late. But the appreciation that it totally changed my trajectory in life, I, I think overwhelmed my frustration.
0: Were there moments your last couple of years at Vermont where you were coaching as a backup goalie? And what I mean by that is, Hey, Why don't you try this? Or coach, have we thought about this? Like, were you there kind of emotionally where you could offer that? Or were you just more focused on yourself as a player and still trying to push through?
1: Yeah, I think that there is absolutely a mindset that happens when you are the second goalkeeper where you change from, okay, I'm getting ready for game day to I want to help my team succeed. And I wouldn't say that that was... It was probably more in a leadership role than a coaching role, if you will. But I absolutely was energized by the things that I was learning in the Netherlands and bringing it back and telling my team about it and telling the other goalkeeper about it and discussing different techniques or tactics. I wanted to share the knowledge more than that, the passion that I gained for the sport And I was excited about it. I had seen super high-level training, coaching. I had met other high-level coaches over there. And I knew that my role on that team was I wasn't a coach. That's okay. I could be a leader and I could look at it from a, how can I help my team prepare for Friday, knowing that it probably wasn't going to be me in the goal. And I became more okay with
0: that. Did you growing up, I don't mean in college, but when you first get introduced to field hockey, you talked about how that first practice they had goalkeeper equipment. Did you ever play any other positions in the field, or did you get right into that kind of that goalkeeper niche and that's where you stayed?
1: I got right into that goalkeeper niche and that's where I stayed.
0: I find it fascinating because you're not the first person I've talked to that's been a goalie and only a goalie. Looking back, or now in your role, are there benefits that kids that focus on goalie? could have by playing other positions in field hockey? Does it give you a a view of the field, an idea of how players will attack you, stuff like that, that if the opportunity comes, they should jump at it because it might sound weird, but it could make you a better goalkeeper?
1: Great question. I was preparing for a big coach education presentation, and one of my research articles was something by USA Soccer, and they talked about how – Each player needed to rotate through all the positions on the field, and it made a ton of sense the way they laid it out in that article. And it gave me pause and made me consider, okay, should goalies be trying to be field players or taking the opportunity to at least learn the basics and experience it? And I have to be honest with you, I don't know how much value it can add, but what I will say is essential is understanding field player mechanics, because not that as field hockey goalies... There isn't as much anticipation as far as reading their body to see where they're going to go with their shot or with their pass because deception is huge. There's a lot of manipulation that can happen. They look one way and they shoot the other way, right? They show a stick angle that's one direction and then they send the ball a different way. But more so from the fact of, okay, if the field player's strong side of their stick you know, is to their right, that influences Statistically, how much attack, rebounds, good shots are generated on that area of the goalkeeper's circle. If a field player makes a big pull across their body to the right side, once they're there in that position, their options are limited. They can either shoot. Or pull again, right? And I'm, I'm massively simplifying here. So anyone that's a hockey nerd listening, uh, forgive me. But I think understanding the mechanics, the tactics, and how it impacts goalkeepers, scoring opportunities, those sorts of things, it is critical. So I think as long as you have goalies that can respect, understand, and are interested to learn those things, it's okay to not play it yourself.
0: How often are you surprised? And what I mean by that is you get a kid, you start working with them. Do you feel like, for the most part, if a kid stays with it, gives you good faith, honest effort, they're going to finish between X and Y? Like, you kind of know what their ceiling is. How often are you surprised where, wow, I didn't think that kid would be able to reach that level or perform at that? Like, are you often surprised, or do you think, for the most part, you're able to get a really good feel of what a kid's capable of?
1: I would say that the fact that I see the athletes on a regular basis makes it less surprising because I sort of see it coming. But what I am surprised by is there is a every single night in training, someone comes up with a save that is awesome. That's exciting and surprising. Every week I see a moment of compassion between two athletes or good sportsmanship or care or interest that's surprising. Every year I get a letter, you know, maybe it's a thank you note, maybe it's Christmas card, whatever it is from maybe the kid that you're least expecting written by that athlete, not from the parents. And I'm surprised. So I think I get a good feel for an athlete's trajectory. And yeah, there are maybe misalignments from what I was expecting and the reality of their development. And that's okay. But because I see them regularly, I'm very attuned to where we're headed.
0: How long are you, like, is it a 45-minute session? Does it depend on where they are, what time of the year it is? Is there, quote-unquote, the average lesson that you're, you're giving?
1: Yeah, so it is all small groups, so between two and four athletes. And I think there's real magic in the four-to-one ratio, so one coach, four goalies. And based on the number of goalkeepers, that's what dictates the time of the session. So if it's four athletes, I do an hour and a half. My favorite is three goalies for an hour and 15 minutes. I think that that is ultra dynamic with enough time to get through a really great lesson plan. But the right balance between reps for the individual in the goal and rebounding and options as far as the kind of training I can build. If it's two athletes, it's an hour. So you could imagine that if someone's in there for an hour and a half once a week, that could make a big impact on their game, especially when we are – so specialized, and we're tailoring it just to them. So we work on something in training. It might be based on current trends in the game. It might be based on their training objectives. And then they are not just working on developing within that session, but applying what we work on within their team practice. I work with athletes from maybe a dozen clubs, right? And it doesn't matter what team they're going back to. They can still focus on on these elements. And then The ultimate goal is to transition what we work on, not just to their practice, but then into their games, right?
0: Do you think that – I mean, your passion comes through the microphones. Like, (laughs) There's no question about that. Do you think the fact that you didn't play a ton in college has helped fuel where you are now as far as wanting to pour this into – young goalies, like, do you think if you had the storybook college career where you got the chance and had success and played a ton, do you think you would still be in the situation you are? Do you think your college situation just helped put you in a unique mind space that got you to where you are now? If that, if I haven't talked myself into a corner.
1: So two parts. Number one, if I had the storybook college career, which I don't believe exists, but let's go for it. I would have not gone to the Netherlands. I wouldn't have been on a search for someone to help me improve my game. I would have been on vacation, (laughs) for sure, especially looking back at who I was at that time, right? Not playing fueled my desire to develop myself as an athlete. And then, surprisingly, I got more than I bargained for with my experience there, and I met the world's best mentor, and I found a love for coaching. That's, I think, what changed my trajectory. The fact that I was not... An all-star, starting goalkeeper, All-American, playing on the national team, I believe allows me to make my coaching fit the athlete in front of me. My motto and the motto of my business is bring your best, leave better. I want to meet athletes where they are, at their height, at their stage of development, with whatever kind of day you're having. I want you to bring your best, whatever that looks like on that Tuesday, and I want to help you leave better. And I'm so confident that I can do that because I have a knack for the coaching piece. But I've also created this sort of community and expectation and reputation that we're here to work hard and we're here to grow. So I'll be honest with you. When I graduated college and I wanted to coach because I found a love for it, I applied to a lot of coaching positions. We're talking part time, third assistant College coach, and I did not get a single email back. And I guarantee it's based on my playing career. They were used to seeing people that were goalie specialists applying because they were all Americans, because they were on the national team. Me having not had those accomplishments made my resume probably confusing and unexpected. And not getting an email back or an interview probably fueled me to want to continue to find avenues to do this. And luckily, I got a, an opportunity with a local club and was able to work full time there with goalkeepers, which is a super rare and exciting opportunity. But I am firm in my belief that I am a better coach for the fact that I wasn't at the highest level of success. Because I can help anybody regardless, you know, if you're six feet tall, your goalkeeping is going to be different than if you're 5'2". And the ability to be flexible and not say, do it like me, is critical when you want to develop athletes. Now, there are some amazing coaches who also had amazing playing careers. And that's like an added bonus in my opinion. And I have so much respect for the perspective and the personal experience of elite performance that those coaches can bring. But I think when you're talking about developing athletes, there has to be a real love and understanding of all the stages of their development, not just elite performance.
0: I'm curious, given your role and what you do, you don't really have a game day per se. I mean, I'm all the kids you work with You know, Mm -hmm. you can follow them. Do you miss that, the energy of a game day? Because I don't know. It just, you're in a unique position where you're not working towards Friday night or you're not working towards the showdown for the conference title or or anything like that. Do you, as a competitor, do you miss that? Or do you feel like you have 70 game days (laughs) with all the people you work with?
1: Yeah. So when I was in grad school at Drexel, I worked as their volunteer assistant and I will tell you, I loved working with the Drexel goalkeepers and the Drexel staff. They were incredible. And it was really important for me to gain that perspective and that experience for what I do now. But game day was my least favorite part. I love the development. I love the progress, the inches that we gain, you know, the small tweaks, the small adjustments that make a difference and the ability to kind of. You know, it's okay to fail and figure it out to get to an ultimate end goal of high performance when it matters. And all of that mess and growth and inches that happens when you're developing an athlete and working together with them to reach their goals isn't possible on game day or game week or even in season sometimes. To be honest with you, I don't like the responsibility that I would have to manage an athlete's emotional mindset on game day. So if I saw a kid, you know, in game day warm up, kind of doing something a little bit off where now in my normal everyday trainings, I would give them a correction. I might hold back in that moment for fear of messing with their flow, if you will. Right. And so I find that really challenging about game day is that it's time to perform. And I just sort of have to sit back and, You're sort of limited in what you can do. Now, that said, this past year, I was able to attend the national championship. I watched it, NCAA National Championship, UNC versus Northwestern down at UNC. And the UNC goalkeeper, Maddie Kahn, was a very longtime client. I had her my first year out of college coaching. And coached her all through her senior year of high school and five years of college. She was at Lehigh for four, went to UNC for her fifth year. She won the national championship, and it was one of the most exciting games ever, especially from the goalkeeper perspective. Went into overtime. There were multiple critical saves that both goalkeepers came up with, and it went into shootouts. And Maddie won it. And standing there, well, the whole game, I was very nervous, if we're being honest, right? But standing there with her parents in the stands, knowing that I got to have an impact on that athlete's career, she did the work, but I got to be a part of it, knowing that and seeing it translate and her reach that, you know, ultimate success and being able to be there in the stands, not coaching on the sideline was exactly where I was supposed to be. I want to be in the development I don't need to be on the sideline. I don't need to be there for game day. I want to be with your parents cheering you on, celebrating your success. And I want to be there when you fail too, to be honest with you. I am okay with being that kid's phone call when it's a heartbreaker or the recruiting process is really tough or they're just having a, you know, a tough tournament and it's between games and it's how do I reset? You know, I, I want that one-on-one relationship with that kid that goes across their full career from be at middle school to college and beyond. Hopefully someday it's me sitting in the stands of a national team game.
0: So people hear this are interested in giving it a try. How do they reach out to you? What's the procedure?
1: Yeah. So head over to my website, the dot com, and there you'll find a bunch of information about me and the programs I'm offering The best place to start is the Get Started form. You can fill that out. I have a Get Started form for middle and high school goalies, as well as college goalies and adult goalies even. And you fill out the Get Started form, and you'll join our mailing list, and we'll be in touch as programming opens up. But also follow me on Instagram. I try to put out a ton of content. If maybe you're a coach listening to this, we also have a Coach Education tab that you can fill out to join that mailing list. But I try to really share insight on training, tips and tricks, whatever I can do to add value via social media. So it's also worth following that.
0: Emily Snowden, thanks so much for coming in.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: And that will do it for this week's episode of One on One with Matt Leon, sponsored by your Delaware Valley Honda dealers. Get a deal you'll like on a Honda you'll love. Want to thank Emily Snowden for being our guest this week. Coming in studio, she is the founder and owner of The Goalie Trainer in Malvern. Now, if you like the show and you listen on Apple Podcasts, do us a favor, leave us a rating and a review. You can follow the show on X at One on One Pod. You can follow me there as well at Matt Leon 1060 Thanks so much for listening and be sure to check us out again next week when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about.